Hey everyone, today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters for your free audiobook download. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to now. Uh, Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. I'm pretty sure that's a book pun. Um, I recommend to you, check out Down and Dirty Pictures, Miramax, Sundance, and the Rise of Independent Film. Uh, the author is Peter Biskind, and it's narrated by Phil Gigante, which is just the uh, tip of why you should check out this book. Uh, it's actually a really interesting uh, chronicle of the rise of independent film, uh, the Sundance Film Festival, and Miramax Films. Um, you know, it's it's a sort of oral history if you're into that kind of thing, but it's I listened to the audio book, and it's terrific, and it's, you know, listening to an audio book is just like listening to a podcast. Um, and this whole independent thing, film, uh, film thing, is something we talk about quite a bit in today's podcast. So once again, it's audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters for a free audiobook download. Uh, check it out. Audible is good enough to sponsor this podcast. It should be good enough for you. Uh, please enjoy this podcast now. Uh, it's with my old friend Andrew Bajelski, who is the creator, uh, the writer and director of several independent movies. And uh, it's it's a fun conversation we had that is parts catching up and part uh, an exploration of what makes the independent creator tick. Hope you enjoy it. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. All right. Let's, uh, let's do it. I'm psyched to have here in the studio Andrew Bajowski, uh, my old friend. Uh, Andrew, thank you for for coming in and doing this. Thank you for having me. For in your limited time, in it's Los very Angeles. limited. It's terrible. That's a terrible thing about coming to LA. Is uh, you're very overscheduled and very. Co- I, I got a um, from the, the the rental car place. I, I got a, a a GPS, but the GPS is like not calibrated for LA, so it tells you um, estimated arrival time. But there's like the Zeno paradox thing that happens where every every minute that passes in real time, also the minute of estimated arrival time goes up. <laughs> so, you know, it, it it thinks that it takes 10 minutes to get anywhere in L.A. Yeah. When, in fact, it takes an hour to get anywhere in L.A. Absolutely. And you watch that tick down and, um, and I get angry watching it. Can I, besides, I know you had a 10th anniversary screening of Funny Haha, mm-hmm. um, but... Besides that, were were you here for meetings? Can I ask you what you're doing here? Yeah, I was here. for Are you meetings. allowed to talk about these things? I, uh, to 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 uh, yeah, I think I am. All right, um, this won't come out for at least a month and a half. So right, you can. <laughs> no, I was here for me. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I have this strange. I don't know. I mean, I think like a lot of people, I have a. I, I hesitate to call it a career, but this kind of. I've been doing my own weird little indie stuff, and I, I shot a movie of my own last year that i'm editing now so i have i have that life and then i'm also of course trying to figure out how to make a living which um i think used to be slightly easier i think people like me 20 years ago had an easier time coming out here and selling out quickly now it seems <laughs> to take a lot more effort to sell out are you making an effort to sell out yeah <laughs> more and more so uh it's hard it's hard and, and and i mean that's something i learned over the last several years is that selling out is 
you know, as much work as doing something you care about, which is why sure. I keep doing things that I care about. Because I think, fuck it, if I have to work this hard at both of them, I'll, I'll you know, I might as well just do something that I believe in. Um, but I've been trying, you know, I, I do have a, uh, I do have a, a kid and I do have a mortgage now, which are things that I did not used to have. Um, and so I've been taking the... I've been taking the selling out part a little more seriously, <laughs> but it's such a, I mean, there, there, it is, it has been such a learning curve for me too. I mean, you can't, I think you can't do it entirely cynically or rather in order to do it entirely cynically and be successful, you have to be a lot more sociopathic than I am. <laughs> um, so well, it's, what, what has it been like for you? I mean, I'm really curious about, you're going in, I assume to meet on specific projects as yeah. a writer or as a director. Uh, it, it kind of depends from meeting to meeting, but for the most, mm-hmm. for the most part, I've been out here the last three days trying to pitch a TV show, which is also totally oh, wow. new territory yeah. for me. Um, but you know, I have, I got, I have a TV pitch and so I, Go into these offices and 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 drink a lot of coffee and um, talk it up and and uh, it's hard to say. I mean, you, it's that's a whole other, I'm sure, conversation. Well, I'm sure you know it better than I do that you know the weirdness of having no clue if your ideas are landing or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have you face these blank stares uh, and you. All you can do is keep talking. Right. You just kind of tap dance your way through. Yeah. Uh, although I hear of guys who go in and will stare back. Uh, until they get something, but these are guys with way more power than I have. <laughs> that always helps. That always helps. That works. I, I'm told. I'm That's told. good. It's you know, it's giving the pitch and then just waiting them out. That had never occurred to me. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> um, so, so this is your first foray into television. Yeah, and it, and I'm kind of guessing my way through it. You Which know, I think we all kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody I know is now. Um, trying to to move over from i mean every just because it's so especially in the quote-unquote indie world it's um the the constriction seems to get tighter and tighter and it's more and more difficult to get anything done um and i guess to a certain degree in the studio world too and, and this is a probably a complaint that's been around for as long as hollywood has existed that that things are getting tougher but it does seem like their opportunities are opening up in tv i mean we all hmm. we all are seeing a lot more interesting stuff on tv and who is uh, who is this indie community? You know, I mean, oh, we, I don't know. We talk a lot about. I mean, I know you got you do sort of have a, a community there in Austin, yeah, right? uh, which is amazing. Um, but there's a, been, I think, especially in the past couple of years, a lot of talk about how films are either huge mm-hmm. or they're tiny, right? You know, as far as budget and scope, mm-hmm. um, certainly not in terms of quality. Sure. <laughs> um, but you know, you you and I would imagine your peers in the indie world are on the small end of the spectrum. Yeah, well, and that's you. I mean, I think it is weird. To say, on the one hand, it's this great blessing that people can go out for, and I've never done anything quite as cheap as like the three thousand dollar movie. But that's something mm-hmm. that didn't used to exist, and now it does. You you can mm-hmm. go out and with your flip camera, or whatever, or your iPhone, I guess, and make a three thousand dollar movie, and, and people do it all the time, and some of them are really good. Um, of course, it's impossible to get any kind of real exposure for them, hmm. um, and and that ground is shifting so much. I mean, I know, you know, uh, Joe Swanberg, who I'm friendly with, has done. He had this run of, I think he made like ten movies in a year and a half or something, um, which is absurd. But you know, it was almost financially viable for him for a minute because he was. He could sell them to Sundance Channel, and you know, if you make them a few thousand dollars, and then they give him like ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, then you know, and he does ten of them, then then it, he could almost make a living at that. And I think 
but even that window kind of closed. I mean, the, the, the ground is shifting so quickly that, like, you know, opportunities arise and, and disappear in, mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. So it's hard to tell. I mean, nobody... But that's all, you know, that's all, like, vi- that's all business, that's all viability. Right. And, of course, the reason, like, none of us are doing this because we care about that. And that's why we're all doomed. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, you do it for the love of it. And, and everybody kind of knows you're doing it for the love of it, which makes you imminently exploitable. <laughs> um, and... Uh, have you found, though, uh, and, and again, I know these three days have been mm. kind of the first uh, jabs at TV, but have you found... In the film world, there is uh, the sense that people are doing it more for the love of it. I mean, you've gone to all the festivals with with your films and probably on your own without your films. No, only with the films. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I stay home when I don't have a film. But um, it it depends. I mean, because there's there's also such scales. I mean, we are talking about everything when you talk about quote unquote indie, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's I, like there's probably such a thing as a ten million dollar quote unquote indie, sure. and then, so everything. I mean, I think, and that is a very different mindset, and it takes a lot. It's a very different experience, and and it takes a different uh, set of circumstances than than your three thousand dollar indie. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, but sure. I, I mean, I think. I don't know. Everybody's different. I mean, the fact is, there probably are people making three thousand dollar movies who are doing it as a career move. Um, and those people are crazy, and yet, you know, there's for one in ten thousand of them will make that work somehow. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, let's let's not talk about this dirty business any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's really uh, dig in and talk about some of the writing you've done. Uh, you were here, as we said, for the tenth anniversary of Funny right. Haha. Uh, how was? And you screened over at the um, at the Silent Movie Theater. Yeah. yeah. Which how was, was it? It was great because people came. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was worried. Um, we're trying to do a few of these this year. We we, we screened it in, in Austin, and we're gonna um, do. I'm just gonna go in Seattle and in Boston and New York. Um, mostly, I mean, out of vanity on my part, and and also. Um, you know, I still have this fantasy that maybe someday that movie will break even. <laughs> so, uh, so I feel like we'll just have a few more screenings, Which, make a, uh, make a couple hundred more bucks. It's just amazing, though. I mean, I remember going to see one of those first screenings in mm-hmm. Boston, uh, and it was so exciting just that you had created this thing uh, and of such a high quality too. Does it still hold up for you? I don't watch it anymore. But you don't. You, you um, leave the room. I saw it a few months ago because I wanted to see. We we had a print that I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and so I, I wanted to take notes on the color timing. And um, it was a strange experience. It had been several years since I'd seen it, and certainly, of course, I had a different perspective on it. But you know, at the time that we made that movie, I had. Uh, I thought of it as a very straightforward story that I was telling in a very straightforward manner. So I figured. It, it did not occur to me that anybody would, wouldn't get it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then, of course, not everybody got it. Um, <laughs> and to watch it again, ten years older, I thought this is so incredibly personal and and specific, and uh, and it's you know it's almost in a private language. And <laughs> why, why would I have ever thought, <laughs> you know, that, that 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 anybody else would 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 come to? So it's, it seems such a great blessing that that movie has had got the exposure that it did mm-hmm. and has had uh, the lifespan that it's had. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a, a watershed film, I mean, in, in the independent film movement. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't want you to underplay the importance of that film and, and the films you've done since, but, you know, can you talk a little bit 
about the landscape at the time and what Funny Haha did differently. And it did get so much positive attention. Yeah, which was a lot of, I mean, as with anything like that, it's it's a lot of kind of right time at the right place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think that I, I I always bristle at at the notion that there is or was a quote-unquote movement. I've never... Mm-hmm. Just because nobody likes to be reduced like that, absolutely. Um, but by the same token, and again, maybe this is more more perspective with age. Um, of course, there was some commonality in perspective, or you know, of course, a lot of me and a lot of the same people my age who were who were getting out there and making their first films at that time had grown up in a, in a specific culture, and and um, I'm sure to a degree, a lot of us were reacting to what was out there in the quote unquote independent film world and what wasn't. And I, you know, I think for me, a big part of it was this because so much of cinema is kind of auto cannibalized and, you know, it's movies about other movies and, um, which can be really fun, but at a certain point starts to seem limited and you think, what if we could, what if we could do something more, mm-hmm. more direct, you know, what if we could just go back to, so for me, especially on that first film. And I think for better or worse, I, I have not been nearly this monastic about it since, but, but at, you know, when I was 24 years old, it was almost, you know, it was almost, I don't want to say political, but it like it, it, you know, it, it was important to me to, okay, here's what we're not going to do. You know, we're Mm -hmm. not, we're going to absolutely minimize all the time we spend on technical concerns. um, And we're going to, focus entirely on on character and performance because that's what the heart of this story is you know so we're not we're not going to get bogged down in the mechanics of storytelling we're just going to tell the story in the most direct way we can um and that was really important to me then i think since then i've let in more and more of um which again, it could be dangerous because in a way i haven't made a film as direct since then and probably mm-hmm. couldn't now hmm. um but uh, why do you why do you think that is that you couldn't? Because I'm old, <laughs> and you know your 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 ambitions widen and your interests widen, and but that can get away from you. I mean, I, I think somebody who did grow up watching lots and lots and lots of movies, and and you know being a a, a movie nerd, you you always you look at any filmmaker's career, and usually. <laughs> you know, their their the, their last movies are not their best movies. I mean, you know, sure. most most filmmakers fall off. I mean, this is maybe true for any artist or mm-hmm. any human being to a certain degree. But um, there's something that you know, there's a kind of passion that you can plug. And I'm not saying that that I can't be passionate in my mid 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be, but but the, there there's. I don't know. It's it, it, you know you want you want to play more with with every aspect of it, hmm. and you want to. The, That's interesting. It, it might just be it might just be greater ambition, but that ambition can get away from you. And yeah. I don't know. I'm this all sounds very pessimistic. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that of course you. I mean, like you can't go into a project not thinking it's going to be the best thing you ever did. I do think you also have to check yourself and look at all the other you know filmmakers in history who made terrible movies thinking it was the best thing they ever did. You know, I mean, you, you don't you don't want to let that happen to you, sure. but but you still. Well, there is there is something about being 24 years old and having mm-hmm. that earnest uh, sort of enthusiasm for the work. And, you know, Afani Ha has a very earnest movie 
which is amazing because it's not sentimental and it's not cloying. You know, it, it, it's earnest and honest in a way that I feel like movies that preceded it, we rarely saw that. You know, whether in Hollywood movies or in independent films. Well, I wouldn't say in 100 years of cinema nobody would have been, <laughs> been earnest or in honest our, before that. No, no, no. <laughs> but in, in such a, a naked way, I feel like it wasn't something that was part of the national viewer's consciousness. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, if you, if you, you know, the big kind of indie hits of the 90s, and, you know, if, if mm-hmm. like, if, if Quentin Tarantino is the god of the 90s, um, it, it was certainly not, although, although, I mean, you know, Tarantino has, there, there is in, mm-hmm. in a lot of his stuff, a great kind of emotionality and say, you know, like, I mean, and like right. J- Jackie Brown is this in some ways, very, very sweet and simple story with a lot of fun pyrotechnics in it. Right. Um, I guess it's that direct way. And then I am thinking of Tarantino and Kevin Smith, uh, you know, right. these nineties filmmakers who were sort of cynical or glib, I guess is more the word because they're not terribly cynical. Yeah, well, or you know, or just, I mean, both those guys were also movie nerds. Obviously, Tarantino, the the uh, movie nerd. So, how do, how do you pronounce that Latin? Uh, you know that. Anyway, there's a Latin phrase for it. Oh, I don't know. I'd write it down. <laughs> I don't want to pronounce it wrong. So, you so we'll never know. Your listeners probably. They can. They can. This can. Can this be a contest? <laughs> yeah. They, they write in with the Latin phrase they think I'm thinking of. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a cinephilia at the heart of it, and and I was a, I was, I am a cinephile too, but I didn't want my movie to be about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and you know, we went out of our way, um, and I think that was something that certainly there were there were some. You know, I, th- I'm, I think I read some reviews that said like, well, you know, what, it, what is the why? How can you have a movie about? 20-somethings and they never talk about art or movies or music or TV like that and it, absolutely that's not that you know that is not accurate in the movie but it was important oh, to funny. me and how, how I was building it that that's very interesting I never realized that um, let's talk for a minute about your your background as a viewer and consumer of uh, <laughs> movies because we've known each other since seventh, seventh grade. grade and I, I honestly I mean I think I've said this to you before but I credit you with getting me into film storytelling you know, now, obviously, TV is, is where I live and what I love. But, you know, for so long, it was movies. I remember going to your house and you had this huge Wizard of Oz poster. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. First of all, his mom lets him put that there in the middle of the house. Oh, yeah. I think that was a, gi- that was a giant French Return to Oz poster. I'm, oh, Return to Oz. Yeah, it's coming back it to me now. It's coming back to me now. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, and I always knew you as you were a guy who always had these great ideas and we're we're executing them too i mean you had a video camera and you were running around and doing this stuff and uh what what was the stuff you were taking in as a youth uh you know i mean going back to early childhood of course it was whatever that the hits were and like right now um i live in austin in the alamo draft house which is this amazing um you know, nerd mecca. Probably most of your listeners know. Um, they they've been doing a program of you know 30th anniversary, like summer of 1982. Mm-hmm. They've kind of greatest summer of movies ever, and like all the, everything they're showing there. Um, Rocky Three, Star Trek Two, like all, all these were all seminal movies for me, <laughs> and they all made a big impression on me. Um, and so certainly, and you know, those are popcorn movies. They're they're uh, they're blockbusters. They're they're crowd pleasers, but 
of course you look at them now and as old fuddy duddies that we are, you go like, well, they had so much more heart back then. Hmm. Um, but I was in love with those. And then I guess by the, you know, probably when we met in junior high school was when I was probably starting to figure out that there was a world of movies beyond that. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember. I, I I think uh you and probably Dave Cohen turned me on uh-huh. to uh uh David Lynch. Sure. And uh like Blue Velvet was a, a very big in conversations. <laughs> I remember in 7th or 8th grade. Well, and, and you know Twin Peaks came on the air, so that was right. like the kind of um I mean that that was David Lynch finding his way to a mass audience yeah. and 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 vice versa. Um and so yeah, that was that was huge for me. I, was a, I still am a huge David Lynch fan. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, like uh, West Newton Cinema and Coolidge Corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, foreign foreign movies would come to town, and um, whatever the indies of the time, were, you know, would still matter. Whoever was kind of making yeah, a, making true. a blip around then. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I was really excited about all that stuff. I was just a voracious mm-hmm. and read a lot of books about movies, and I don't know that I had any vision then of i mean i th- be, i mean sometimes i regret that i never thought about anything else or cared about anything else because i do think that a lot of the most interesting filmmakers or artists in any field are people who came from somewhere else who had some other mm-hmm. they have a, a unique perspective yeah you know? um and obviously that that can be dangerous i mean a lot of the worst filmmakers are the ones who just <laughs> you know have have never considered life outside of the movie theater although a friend of mine in austin was joking about the fact that like you know it, for, it used to be that you saw movies by people who you thought like had never done anything except seen movies. now you see movies that look like people like who've never even seen a movie like that, that i mean they kind of <laughs> know the movie business well perhaps right. but they have uh, premiere magazine but didn't uh, go see anything whatever. right yeah oh my god that's awful well, it's. A, I mean, you're you're acutely aware of this, certainly in Hollywood, that there are a lot of people in this town who love the movie business and don't mm-hmm. love movies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's how a lot of these things come to pass. <laughs> that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, I do these things that you took in as uh, you know a young adult, uh, and even I mean, I know you had probably. A whole other world of discovering things in college. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these kind of Hollywood blockbusters, the things that we grew up with, the Back to the Futures and, right. you know, the Gremlins and things like that. Um, do these influence you now? Can you point to things even in your own work? Yeah. Or a style of writing or something? Well, they're all touchstones. And I I mean, any any movie that meant something to me, no matter where it came from, sticks in your head. And, you know, I think... I think Errol Morris has some quote about like there there there's no such thing as a great movie there are just you know great moments in mm. movies so you know there there's always some little whether it's some great moment that didn't feel like anything else I've ever seen or 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 some relationship that and certainly I mean the thing about anybody who I think everybody remembers the movies of their youth whenever that was with specific fondness because partially because it's part of how you learn about the world you know I had this I watched. I, I love, love, love broadcast news, and I watched it again a few years ago. And it occurred to me that I think that movie like sent me down a bad path. How so? Because because to me, I mean, it was to me. I've been was, thinking about that movie a lot recently, and it's funny. It popped in my head, into my head right before you say it. I don't know why it's such a touchstone. It's so rich and it's so good and it's so note perfect. And it's one of those, you mm. know, I mean, when a movie is great, it kind of 
seems like the best thing anybody involved with it ever did. And I love Albert Brooks, but like he's uh, channeled in that movie in such a way that you know he could never he he could never do for himself as yeah. a director. Um, but I mean, so I think I looked at that movie and thought, okay, this is that's adulthood. I mean, that that movie was <laughs> like very much shaped my view of adulthood. Oh, God. And then to look at it again recently, I realized how strangely adolescent the characters sure. were, um, which is part of why it was it's it's so moving and 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 uh, so totally involving. But I thought maybe this is not a good portrait of adulthood at all. Maybe <laughs> this maybe this taught me some bad lessons about being a grown up. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, uh, I wonder. I'll get to this later. Uh, tell me about the things you discovered in college. Um, both the media that you took in, but also, you know, this, I would imagine, was a big learning curve for you as far as the technical aspect, you know, how films are actually made. Yeah, well, I, I and I I studied uh, at Harvard, which a lot of people don't think of as, you know, a lot of people know there is a film program, partially because I believe, maybe they're starting one now, but at the time, anyway, there was no graduate program there mm-hmm. for film. Um, so... Nobody really knew we were there, and it's not it's not it's not uh, a kind of professional it's not a training school the way right. that you know you you come out of there completely unemployable um but you do learn how to make a film on this very nuts and bolts level of you know they teach you how to run the camera they teach you how to run the sound this is how the editing table works, and you go out and do it it's not you don't learn like about the fiefdoms of departments or this is what a producer does and this and okay, and this is your you know Here's your art department, and you, there, there is no art department. You just cobble things together right. and make them work. And they're very documentary-centered there. So mm. I did do narrative stuff, and there is a lot of narrative stuff that comes out of there. But the backbone of it is all documentary, mm. and so, which has had a huge influence on sure. how I think about filmmaking in general. And I think really a good lesson. I mean, I, I would, you know, if I ran the world, like everybody, every filmmaker would have some opportunity to go out and work in documentary. Because I think it teaches you things that are hugely relevant to. I mean, even you know, yeah, at, the, at the other the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's there's animation where you do have kind of what seems like, but but there's no there's no kind of filmmaking where you have complete. Essentially, that's what documentary teaches you is how to deal with <laughs> not having complete control, um, which is essential to all kinds of filmmaking. There's no, you know, I mean, when when. Michael Bay goes out and, and has a hundred however many million dollars to make Transformers. He has a lot of control, and they can do a lot of shit with computers to move things around. But you're always marshalling chaos. Like there's no kind of that. That's that's what movies are. Is this weird combination of um, you know uh, fakery and invention, but 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 also. You're, you know, the, the camera, like the camera, is a documentary tool. It documents what's in front of it, um, and so you're always trying to you're always trying to work with elements that are out of your control and shape them and uh, mm-hmm. jujitsu them into doing what you want them to do. And that I got a lot of out of that from that's, trying to work in documentary. That's very interesting. Did you did you learn things from a storytelling point of view too? I mean, I would imagine you learned to edit as well. Yeah, well, there. exactly. I mean, that's you know, if if the camera is by its nature documentary, then editing is by its nature fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And uh, that's interesting. It, you know, juxtaposing elements that, that like you, you, it takes a consciousness to put them together, and uh, so of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing about documentary is that. 
just because all these things happened, it's not a story till you put it together the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, looking again, we'll talk about Funny Haha. Um, you know, which you did only a couple of years out of college, yeah. right? Um, so all of the stuff was probably fairly raw right. uh, in you. You know, I, I can't imagine. Although maybe you did have great self awareness about here is where the documentary happens and here right, is where right. the storytelling happens. Um, but tell me about putting together that story. Uh, I'd written and oh, oh before you go in, mm-hmm. um, is there somewhere? Is it streaming somewhere that people can see it or they That's can get it on Netflix question. or anything? I, you could certainly get the. I don't even. What, if you got the kind of Netflix where you get the DVD in the mail, <laughs> yeah. you can. Yeah, the, so it's definitely on there. The physical DVD exists, and I think it's all. I think all my movies are available on Netflix okay. in that form. I don't know about the streaming. All right. Um, but that's good. That's as long as people have a way to to find yeah, these films. I sure hope so. Uh, okay, so tell me about putting together the, that story, uh, and then I want to m- kind of move on to the other ones, because certainly uh, Mutual had a very documentary feel. Well, it's black and black Because <laughs> it's black and white. <laughs> exactly. But it had really these these kind of, I'm thinking particularly of the scenes where he was uh, performing. Yeah, um, that, and that was the most fun thing to shoot, because that, they were stunning. That was... Uh, yeah, that was just concert film. I mean, there was nothing I... And, and for me as a director... my. Because uh, I was acting in that scene too as a hmm. audience member, so all I had to do that day was, you know, you know, Justin and Kevin, you guys perform. Uh, we had two cameras running: Matthias and Ethan. You shoot, and I will stand here and you know <laughs> act like I am enjoying the music. And that was a great day. It was so fun. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute because I do have more things I want to talk about. But uh, tell me about putting together Funny Ha. Well, uh, so I'd written a few. You know, I was. I guess a, a year or two out of college when I started to write, I'd written I'd written a couple other, you know, my first attempts at writing feature length screenplays. I, I I knew I wanted I had the ambition to do that, but the scripts I'd written, you know, I didn't I didn't know exactly what it would mean to go out and make a a, a big project. I'd never done it. Mm-hmm. I I had some sense that it was going to mean giving my life over to it completely. Um, and so these scripts I'd written, you know, they were okay, I guess, but, but I didn't think like none of them seemed worth ruining my life for, um, what were, what were these first couple uh, of attempts, you know, uh, in a vague way? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of them, I guess one of them was a sort of, in a way, maybe an attempt to go down this, a similar path of a very, you know, kind of character centric. I think it was like, I think it was like one long night and some, I mean, I guess there were some similar issues at stake and um but just the characters didn't i, I mean the big breakthrough for me on funny haha was uh kate dollenmeyer was my roommate at the time this was when i first moved to austin texas uh in the in the late 90s and i had the idea that uh, you know as i was living with kate kate is wildly charismatic and you know at that time I, like i couldn't go anywhere with kate without some like some dude at a party coming up and and asking me about my roommate because he like had fallen in love with her within <laughs> five minutes of meeting at the party and uh and so i you know i thought well this i can she would be great in a movie um and i and i think i kind of vaguely came to her and said like well you know if i wrote a movie for you to act in would you do that and she she didn't know what that meant any more than i did she said (laughs) okay and uh and she is not an actor no no and she wasn't then and she hasn't assiduously avoided it ever (laughs) since um but uh she does have this charisma you're absolutely right yeah and um it which paid off in the movie i mean she was she was i knew she would be charismatic i didn't know that 
she was such a good actor until we did it. Mm. Um, but I wrote it with her voice in mind for this character. It was not the movie is not about Kate per mm-hmm. se, but I did. I could I could hear her voice as I as I wrote this, and it just made my writing better, and it made the the characters richer, and it made the the, the movie richer. And mm. she's in every scene of that movie. Um, and so suddenly, you know, I had a script that I thought I could picture how we would do it, and it seemed worth giving a shot. So mm. we did. So something it really was just that that thing clicked. Yeah. Um, and the, the story itself, I mean. Again, you talked about how this is, it is a personal story. It's not necessarily about you. It's not about Kate. It's not about uh, Kristen. But, you know, t- tell me what you brought to it well, as I mean, far it, as it, making it, a personal story. It is story. about me. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not a direct right. autobiography. I mean, right. it's, not, it's not the story of my life and these things happen to me and I'm mm-hmm. putting them in a movie. But, of course, like every, you know, every frame of it is about me. <laughs> right. Um, we and, can't help that. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, 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 and uh, you know, that's true presumably of everything I'll ever do. I mean, it takes a kind of certain sort of uh, ego to want to make these things in the first place you know sure. um, but i would i would hope you know in some respect any film or television that is written by a person right uh is going to have that person in it i mean that's sort of what we strive for isn't yeah it? but a lot of them are written by committees and i mean that's sure. where or written by a person who has been overruled by a committee mm-hmm. at every step of the way you know oh, so I mean, this is where you get these things that, that don't have person yeah uh, very often you're lucky if you get that one thing through that you know right. comes from you right which i mean i've, I've had that experience yeah. yeah um so anyway yes um did you feel that the story you set out to tell is the story that you told with funny ha i don't know i mean I, I think that's one kind of again maybe this comes from from documentary uh that I've always felt like what I'm setting out to do is less important than than what we do hmm. per se. If that makes sense, that interesting. Yeah, it's not about um, a complete vision in my. And you know, I mean, Hitchcock is the famous example of somebody who says like it's all my. You know, my work is done when I finish the storyboards and everything else is you know just like busy work and mm-hmm. pushing the cattle through the. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. First of all, I don't believe Hitchcock when he says that. I think that I think that's a little bit of bluster. Um, <laughs> I think it is a little bit, but that's also, I mean, coming from TV, that's very much the TV model as far as network stuff is. Right. You know, in my limited experience, the the script gets done, and then it's really just about executing that thing. It, there's not a lot of changeability. Yeah, but even I mean, you know, you say the script gets uh, done, and then and then you you execute, but like, but you know, those shows don't happen without. I mean, a lot of those shows are star vehicles. I mean, mm-hmm. so so that that execution is so specific. I mean, sure. it's you know, you don't you don't execute Everybody Loves Raymond without Ray Romano like do, doing his thing that he does. That's so specific. Absolutely, sure. um, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, so so the finished product of it, um, I I assume it's something you're happy with. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and, and is are, are you one of these filmmakers uh, who you know each film is an attempt to kind of correct the t- mistakes of the last one? Uh, not not necessarily that, but tell tell the story uh, tell the story that's sort of stuck in you. Uh, you know, do these films have to come out? Uh, that's a good question. Or do you or do you struggle? I mean, I assume there's some struggle, but... Yeah, of course. I mean, some things... And I've been very fortunate in that regard with my own stuff that... One thing that's been 
difficult for me about um, trying to get a foothold in the professional world is that, you know, in my own world, I could do one thing at a time. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I did, I did funny haha, and I didn't really. I mean, I was very young, and I didn't. I didn't, you know, I was uh, for a long time after I, you know, I edited that movie living in my mother's house. So like, I, it wasn't like I had a lot else that I had to be doing, or I, did, you know, there there wasn't really much else for me to focus mm-hmm. on, which was good at the time. Um, but so I didn't really think about the next one until I finished that, and then I thought about the next one, and you know, the next few years I was doing that, and then I thought about the next one, and uh, and I feel like I work best just like let's look at you know let's stand at the foot of this mountain and then let's climb the mountain, and then whereas mm-hmm. in in the professional world you're supposed to stand at the foot of fifteen different mountains at a time, and you know hope that you're maybe going to get up one of them, yeah, um, and that's been a challenge for me to multitask that way um, because I don't. It's depressing to think about 15 projects knowing that 14 of them aren't going to go anywhere. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's hard, hard to, to care. Yeah, it's hard to care. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that comes up a lot on these uh, chats that, you know, this is the way things are done. And I don't know, there's something broken in that system if For you sure. want us to really care about the product. But ultimately, it is a product. And sure. that's a whole other argument. Right. Um, so tell me about the next couple of films. Uh, you know, was it know. roughly the same process for you as far as writing them and putting them together? Yeah, I think so. I mean, all three of those, all three of the ones that are that are done are um, were written with the leads in mind. Uh, so Justin Rice in the second one, and the and the Hatcher sisters in the third one. Well, uh, t- and rem- mutual I'm appreciation sorry. and beeswax. <laughs> beeswax. Yeah. I couldn't remember that. Okay. Um, and they were similar. I mean, beeswax. By the time we did beeswax, you know, we we were all getting older. <laughs> Um, and I turned 30 right before we shot that. So that hmm. that did feel a little different. Um, but it it was a similar process. And now this thing that I've... And it, and it came to feel a little untenable. Um, I love... I, I, I couldn't be happier with Beeswax mm-hmm. as a movie. But uh, certainly it was the... It was kind of the roughest entry. You know, both in terms of um, just not quite getting the attention that the others had which to some extent is just like mm-hmm. you're kind of a known quantity and people sure. go it's another one from this guy um and, and certainly you know we we spent more on it than the others and and made less back not that any of them have been profitable but mm-hmm. you know that started to feel a little untenable hmm. um and again it's all about the i mean you know if i'm inspired to go out and make another movie in that vein i i hope i'll have the courage to go do it um, but we shot this thing last year, which I'm editing now, which is in some ways similar because it's it's me again. So there's always going to be mm-hmm. things that I don't even realize I'm doing the same. But um, but in other ways, it feels very different. I mean, it was the first time that I'd done something where I didn't write it with a specific uh, person <laughs> in mind to play the lead. And for that matter, I didn't write it. I mean, if, as much as my movies are accused of being, um, you know, people think that we're making it all up as we go along. My first three movies are very... Uh, you know, there's a complete script written. It's a very um, conventional-looking script. Sure. Uh, and then this was my first time. I mean, my my joke that I make is that, you know, I I heard about these mumblecore kids running around without scripts and video cameras, and I thought, let's try that. So, <laughs> so I mean, we did that. You know, I, I uh, the, we worked just from a treatment, hmm. and um, we did shoot on video, but it's gonna it's it's gonna it's uh it it'll it won't look like anybody else's video. We did some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> Good, and uh, so it'll be very different in 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 those senses. Oh, that's very interesting. And it's a period piece. There's a lot of weird Wait, stuff about what? it. What? 
Yeah, it's oh, that's right. It's real weird. It's real weird. Um, You've worked with kind of the same crew, right? On on a lot of all these films. Yeah, a lot of the same people. A lot of repeating people. Um, So, but I'm curious about this most recent one. Do you have a title yet? Computer chess. It's about computer chess programmers. (laughs) Um, On this most recent one, working without a script mm-hmm. uh, and with this outline. Um, Which, by the way, was surprisingly similar. I mean, oh, really? Well, because we, you know, we basically, with it varied from scene to scene. Some scenes I had really well worked out and other scenes I didn't at all. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, you know, w- whether it's written down word for word on uh, on the page of the script or whether it's kind of in your head and you know how the conversations move, it's you still start from this plan and then you mm-hmm. then it's just problem solving to make the thing actually work so it was surprisingly similar process to have it on the page or not that makes a lot of sense were your on-screen uh collaborators new to you or people you had worked with before uh there's a few actors uh, miles page who was in mm-hmm. funny haha's is uh, we dug him up for this one and <laughs> there's a few other people but but it's mostly mostly new folks okay so and i assume they were familiar with you and your work or were they coming in cold it depends i mean you'd have to ask them i don't know who knew what <laughs> but i mean I, we were all cold like we didn't nobody knew what the fuck was going on i guess that's what i'm asking <laughs> yeah but did we anyone know, know what the fuck was going on no absolutely not and that was the whole fun of it i mean we were that's cool it was also my fastest uh we shot it in 16 days which was wow. um you know, a little, I mean, compared to like, you know, 20, the others were 20, but still mm-hmm. this was, this was faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it must've felt fast too, as you were trying to get all these things and you know, it was, it, it, it was absurd. The whole <laughs> thing was absurd and it's ridiculous that we survived it. And I'm, I'm excited to get it. I don't know if anybody will be able to make any sense. It of sounds it. amazing. And I remember, I'm, I'm remembering now reading the, uh, you had the Kickstarter page up yeah. for it and reading the synopsis and everything. And it sounds really cool. I hope so. I, I mean, there's a part of me that's sad that we. Uh, I, I'm glad. I mean, the crowdfunding thing was great. It worked out well for us. I was very excited and proud that people showed up and helped us. Um, but there's a part of me that was sad about letting anybody know we were doing it at all. I would hmm. love to have just, you know, kept it a secret until the day we premiered it. Release it upon the world. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I want to go back to beeswax for a minute. Um, I mean, it's interesting that you you talk about that as being a different experience mm-hmm. from the others uh, because even oh, they're all different in the story. Um, it's it's not quite as you know mutual and funny were were these very inward looking uh journeys of these characters and while beeswax is too there's also quite a bit of plot going on there's tons of i mean it's a weirdly it's you know it's almost experimental in a way that there's a huge amount of plot, most of which is off screen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you definitely feel these outside forces yeah. in a way that you don't really, you know, there's so much more personal and you're with the point of view of the main character in the first two films. Yeah, yeah, the, the first two are more more direct journeys. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's right, that you, that you feel more of the power of external forces. Mm-hmm. But I think part of what made it confusing to people is that those forces, you know, for the most part are kind of hidden from view in, in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, and that was, I assume, by design. Yeah, it was. You know, I was, I was trying something out, which made so much sense to me, and didn't didn't quite connect. But, uh, but why? Why do you think it didn't? I don't know. It was just kind of weird. I mean, I was also out trying to make a movie that was. It was like I'd made two very quiet movies, and then when you do that, there's there's all this. You you get pressure from the world, and people say like, "Okay, kid, like you know you've." 
you've you've got some attention now like now let's go out and go big hmm. and there's there was just some perverse part of me that said like i'm going to make an even quieter movie um <laughs> I, I, and that's what i did and yeah. and uh, so it was you know it just like you have to kind of lean even further forward in your seat to to get into that one mm-hmm. and uh, i think it was i think it was tough for people i i hope i mean i believe that there are folks out there who did who did respond to it but oh i i, of course, I, yeah, I did <laughs> right. i mean there are some really beautiful moments in it uh just i mean i feel like where you where you really exceed beyond you know so many uh other filmmakers and writers is in these small moments between characters you know they're very honest they're very real and uh, i think that is what people respond to in your films I, yeah, I hope so. I mean, Not a question. Right. Statement. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the Hollywood work that you have done. Yeah. Uh, if you if you can. Sure. Uh, has there been... I mean, And it's been going on for a little while. They've kind of been doing drafts of movies and things, right? It's slowly. I mean, you know, here and there, dribs and drabs. Were you approached uh, on the heels of your own films? The first... The first Hollywood job I, I had, um, I was just incredibly fortunate uh, that it, yeah, more or less. I mean, I, I, you know, I was out in L.A. for screening, and I and I got my first agent, and um, hmm. so did kind of rounds of meeting that you do, which which I'm you know I'm not great at them now, but I was really particularly just kind of didn't know, know what, I, what I was supposed to be talking to these people about well, then. It's really hard, especially, you know, in your early 20s yeah. to be asked to just go in and whether it's a general meeting or you're pitching on some idea or... Well, you just... really you, hard. You chat with people, but it's sort of, yeah, I, I, it's, certainly my chatting wasn't that focused or directed at that moment. Um, but I met with Scott Rudin's people and they, they had uh, purchased this book, Indecision, and just, again, just kind of by luck and coincidence and and scott's um i mean i think scott has a long tradition of you know i I think scott's kind of got his like his his major leaguers that he worked with and then he's he's so he has such a big uh he has so many projects Mm -hmm. in development at any given time so i think he's also kind of got his farm league of (laughs) developing talent i mean this was interesting to me like when i see i'd read some article about him and uh trey parker and matt stone and I didn't know this until I read this article, but that he had approached them and hired them for something after they did Cannibal the Musical. Like, he hmm. he found them way early. And then, of course, you know, I think had kind of bigger things to worry about at that time. But once, you know, years and years pass, and then he, he has that relationship with them. So I think he just likes to kind of collect a lot of young talent. And I was lucky enough to be in the collection. Um, That's really cool. And uh, and from what I understand, he's he's a good uh, writer's producer. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, you know, with again, with the kind of limited experience I've had, because um, he's always incredibly busy with so many other things. Yeah, he's been, uh, obviously, he's incredibly smart. And um, and it was it was a lot of fun working on that, mm-hmm. on that book. And it was, a, you know, I'm sorry we didn't get to make it. But um, I think that was, uh, these moments passed so quickly, too. I think that was something mm-hmm. that was designed to be a, this was in the, the flush days of Paramount Vantage when they were doing, uh, you know, Bombac films and, and uh mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. They were doing a lot of interesting stuff at Vantage, sure. and then they stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for you, in adapting that, uh, was it a, a shift in your style or process? Sure, because I was going from serving one master to serving three. I mean, I had to, you know, I had to try to 
do justice by the book. I had to try to give Scott and, you know, eventually the studio what they were looking for. Um, but, and the part that surprised me was the realization that I couldn't just leave it at that, that I couldn't, I couldn't just, just serve my masters that ultimately it, it also did have to satisfy me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially too, because at that, you know, we were talking about it as something I was attached to direct. So like, you know, it's like, I can't direct it if I don't get it. Sure. Um, so it was fun. I mean, what you end up doing is this kind of triangulation where you write it one way, they come back to you with their note and they say, well, what about this and this? And, you know, at first it hits your ears and you go, mm, that sounds terrible. But then you think, well, what what is something that is not exactly what you said? Like, what's going to satisfy the desire that's making you mm-hmm. say that without being what sounds like the bad idea that you just said and again this is all you know there's some ego element too that you say well i'm not gonna do it your way but i'm gonna find my way to do it your way Mm -hmm. well and again i mean this comes up a lot getting notes on projects is a part of the business and it's Mm -hmm. finding i mean they often talk about the note behind the note exactly there you go never heard that one before but that's (laughs) there you go um and um i don't remember what i was gonna ask oh i was going to ask uh what is your when you're working on your own stuff? Uh, what is your process for writing? You know, take us through a day on just the writing of the script. It's awful. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mostly it's procrastinating. I go to the fridge a lot and uh, clean your desk. I check my email. No, I wish I cleaned. I don't. I don't have any good time. They're all bad habits. It's all like <laughs> internet or food related. Um, and then, you know. Usually there's like a few days of that until I'm so disgusted that I actually write something, which I think is terrible. And then the next day I look at it again, and because I'm lazy, I go, ah, it's not so bad. <laughs> that's, that's my process. It'll, it'll, it'll keep. Yeah. Um, are, are you one of these people who even – is there any joy in the process for you? Um, or do you just like having – have written? Yeah, n- not much joy in writing, I don't think. I mean, there's some joy in directing, there's occasional joy in editing, mm-hmm. but that, the reason being that you're getting to feed off the energies of other people. Um, you know, my wife is a, is a writer, she's a novelist, and all day, every day, she's in that room wrestling with herself. And I just had this moment, you know, I was editing this uh, computer chess movie, and there's a scene in it where... Uh, a guy is at a bar and he's eating an egg roll and he's kind of stuffing the egg roll in his mouth. And it's really funny to me to watch this footage and just such a pleasure for me to watch James stuff this egg roll in his mouth. And I could sit there and laugh and, and have this, you know, delight in my material. And I realized like my wife could never, no matter how funny the thing she just wrote is, she can't delight in it the same way because it's, it doesn't, it's not external, you know I mean? Sure. It, it comes from her. Like sure. my, my delight is in James specifically. <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, what's the plan with computer chess? Is there one? Is it, a uh... the same as always. I mean, finish it. That's the first mm-hmm. thing I have to do. How far along are you? I, I have like a rough cut basically. That's great. Um, well, but it took like <laughs> 10 <laughs> months to do that. Um, so yeah, finish it and then see who wants to show it and see where it goes. There's no, no, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. deeper than that. So the usual uh, model of festivals and, you know. Yeah, and I mean, the good news with something like this is that we did make it cheaply. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we want to be as smart as we can and, and you know, go, go as broadly as we can with it. But um, it's not, we don't need to 
make a billion dollars. I mean, we, it, conceivably, it, it, I don't want to jinx it, but we made it cheaply enough that it might be possible to actually have the movie be profitable, which would be amazing. That'd be great. I shouldn't have said that out loud. But. <laughs> we'll cut that out. Okay. Uh, well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, tell me just before we wrap up, what are, you, what are you watching these days? What are you putting in your eyes? What oh, are you reading? Man. What are the stories that are kind of getting you inspired or that you feel like you have to talk about? That you save the hardest question for last. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my my movie going. I'm. I have this uh, compulsion about. It. I really don't like to watch things on video, so I usually just go to the movies. And in Austin, mm-hmm. we're really blessed to have, you know, Alamo Draft House does a lot of great programming. There's also the um, a beautiful old movie palace called the Paramount, and they have mm-hmm. a summer series. Um, so of all rep stuff, so that's fun. Th- there's enough, you know. In any given week, there's more interesting movies playing in town than i can get to that's amazing i do miss that i feel like we don't have that in la and even in boston we had the brattle which was so dependably yeah uh, great as far as their, their you got uh, some venues screen. in la just you have to sit in traffic for four hours to yeah, get there. you have to get in line with a horde of people <laughs> and, you know maybe edgar wright will be there so everyone's gonna oh, swarm geez, him right. <laughs> uh but is there anything in these rep theaters that you've discovered or or rediscovered Yes, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now. <laughs> Make something I, up. I can't. I can't remember what I've seen recently. <laughs> I'm sure I saw something. We'll check your. Recently. Oh, you, well, you won't watch them on DVD anyway. I was going to say we'll check your Netflix queue. Exactly. But forget exactly. it. Exactly. No. <laughs> it's lost to the. But there's stuff out there that you approve of. Always. And there's even <laughs> even new movies that I approve of. Um, not that I can remember or name any. Of them I right can't now, think of any of them. <laughs> there's always. I mean, most of them are not. Studio movies, but every once in a while, there's even one of those that I like. <laughs> I think the important thing is: Did you see the Avengers? I haven't yet. <laughs> Am I gonna? Then we're done. I, I'll no, it's really what, fun. I'll tell you what: I loved uh, Iron Man two. I loved it <laughs> more than I one. I think you're the only one. Why is that? Why are people not behind? I I got twenty minutes in. I couldn't watch. Really? It yeah. And did you like the first one? I really enjoyed the first one. Maybe maybe it was just the mood I was in or something. I thought the second one killed the first one. Really? It was. That's uh, interesting. I, I don't know. It moved good. It was funny. Mickey Rourke. It's great. <laughs> he seems so strange in it, which you know he always is. But it's what you hire him for. <laughs> it's true. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of, of your very busy schedule. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you so much. This was a nice way to catch up. I know. I know. Sometimes we're only we'll catching up on microphones. microphones I know. <laughs> this is how I do it now. This is how I interact with all humans. How's, how's the wife? <laughs> She's all right. Good. Thank you. Give She's wondering where I am. I will do. And you as well. Thank you. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.